What's up? What's happening? Welcome back to Lacrosse Now. Travis Eldridge back with you once again this week, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. But no time off for us. We have a loaded show for you once again here today. We're going to continue previewing the 2023 spring season. Got a couple of terrific guests who are hoping to be playing deep into May this year. We've got Rutgers head coach Brian Brecht, as well as Virginia standout Peyton Cormier, both joining us to look ahead to the spring for their respective teams. But we're going to kick things off with a brand new league that is just about set to start. The Professional Box Lacrosse Association begins play on Thursday. You can see the game live here on Lacrosse TV on Thursday night between the Jim Thorpe All-Americans and the Syracuse Spark. Uh, going into this game, it's a game that uh, should feature some notable names, guys that you likely know. Former Syracuse stars Dylan Donahue and Tommy Palasek are expected to be playing for the Spark. Former U Albany standout Jacob Patterson expected to be playing for the All-Americans. It's a game that should give us a good look at what this new league is all about as they launch and play their first game here on Thursday. It's also a look at the team named after the great All-American athlete Jim Thorpe. They're playing out of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, and the Jim Thorpe All-Americans named after that legendary athlete. He competed in the Olympics, played in the early days of the NFL and Major League Baseball. I mean, he was a do-it-all athlete who is considered widely as, as one of the greatest athletes maybe ever to live. Had a chance to catch up and talk with Jim Thorpe's grandson, John, about when the PBLA approached him about this opportunity to name a team after him and uh, his excitement for seeing the Jim Thorpe All-Americans playing here on Thursday night. So we have uh, the grandson of uh, the great Jim Thorpe, John Thorpe, joining us now. John, appreciate you uh, so much for taking some time here. Just your first reaction when you found out this, this new league, this new lacrosse league, the PBLA, wanted to name a team after your grandfather. Well, man, I mean, uh, uh, first off, thank you so very much for having me. And um, what a great honor. I mean, lacrosse has been a Native American game, you know, for over a thousand years. So to have a, a league uh, come in and they want to name themselves after my grandfather, uh, he would be uh, uh, completely honored as um, all of the family is. We're, we're really excited about this. Any, anybody who knows anything about your grandfather's legacy knows he was just an incredible athlete, played so many different sports. He's playing Major League Baseball and in the NFL in the early days of both of those leagues, just obviously an Olympian as well. What is your understanding about his lacrosse experience? Because obviously he comes from a Native American background and heritage, and so I know he's probably probably was exper experienced the sport a little bit. What do you understand about his experience with the sport? Well, I, I don't really know a lot of um, uh, that's been said about Grandpa playing lacrosse. I know that during the they would have their own like Olympics on on the um, on the reservation. So a lot of other teams uh, or tribes would come in and they would do things such as wrestling and swimming and horseback riding. And it's my understanding that lacrosse was a part of those uh, games as well. So grandpa uh, participated in, in uh, lacrosse. I'm not sure to what extent or how good he was, but I, uh, I sure wouldn't bet against him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, as soon as he picks up his stick, I have a feeling things probably came pretty naturally to him. Everything came naturally to him. You know, he was the first president of the NFL. 
Uh, he's the only athlete to play both football, baseball, and basketball in the same season uh, professionally. He is the first athlete to score a touchdown and hit a home run in the same season. Uh, and he's a ballroom dancer. I mean, there just wasn't a whole bunch that Grandpa couldn't do. Yeah, really, uh, really incredible stuff. Uh, obviously, I think this is a, a cool thing uh, for, for the family in knowing that you're exposing Jim Thorpe and his legacy to maybe some people who are younger and maybe not as familiar with the story and, and calling the team the All-Americans seems so, so perfect. Well, what's the lasting legacy you hope to continue to get out there about your grandfather as th his name and, and, it, and um, what he did is now being exposed to a, a new audience? Well, it's nice that the young kids are learning about him. I, I've got a, um, a grandson uh, who's nine years old, and they just uh, read about Grandpa in school. So that, that he is, his name um, hasn't gone away. And now that the lacrosse team is using uh, his name on, on, on one of their teams, it just helps, like, like, like bring about his, his whole legacy again. And people start asking, you know, who's Jim Thorpe? What's all this, this Jim Thorpe stuff about? So when you, you can spike that kind of interest, especially in, in the younger children, it's just a wonderful and beautiful uh, uh, thing for the family to have and, and, and to keep Grandpa's name alive. And I know that the town is just ecstatic about it. The town of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Um, oh, my gosh, they're super excited. Yeah, and, and they're getting ready. The first game is being played uh, up in Canada at the Iroquois Lacrosse Arena. And it seems fitting for it to be played there along against the Syracuse team, knowing that the Native American background uh, of your, your grandfather, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I wish I could have gone out there to to to, uh, to watch the game. And if you guys can send me a link to the game, man, I'd love to, to watch that while it's going on. Yeah, we will. We've got the game right here on Lacrosse TV this week. So uh, we'll make sure to get that to you, John. We appreciate you taking some time here. Uh, enjoy uh, the, the beginning of this league. Hopefully you have a chance to watch. And uh, thanks so much for sharing some some more uh, info about your grandfather. He was obviously an, an incredible, incredible athlete, and uh, we appreciate you uh, sharing some of uh, some of your insight. Uh, Travis, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank the league. And uh, uh, go Jim Thorpe All-Americans. Go get them, buddy. So All-Americans and Spark right here on Lacrosse TV, 7 p.m. Eastern, Thursday night, first ever game in PBLA history, going to be a lot of fun. Remember, you can watch it here on Lacrosse TV. Just go to laxsn.com, and they'll, uh, that's where you can see the feed. Also, plenty of other distributors as well. But laxsn.com will get you in the right spot for All-Americans and Spark. All right, let's look ahead to the 2023 college season now. Uh, continuing our look ahead to the spring and two teams that we expect to be, or at least they hope to be playing deep into May once again this year. We've got Rutgers and Virginia. Had a chance to catch up with Rutgers head coach Brian Brecht and Virginia player Peyton Cormier uh, over the last couple of weeks. So let's take a listen to those interviews. We'll start with Rutgers head coach Brian Brecht. Scarlet Knights, of course, coming off that first ever trip the championship weekend. So coming off a run to championship weekend a year ago, we've got Rutgers head coach Brian Brecht. Uh, Brian, what's the momentum you try to draw from that as you enter the recruiting cycle and then back into fall ball? What have, what's the strategy you've used? 
Well, our fall is a big development uh, time. So, uh, you know, we're developing the, the new guys that are coming into the program and been happy with uh, being able to be slow and steady with them. Uh, we we haven't had any, uh, you know, fall scrimmages. So it's allowed us to take our time in, in, in some of the introduction to some of the things that uh, we'd like to do. And and obviously, you know, seeing where our returning players are with a couple of years under their belt, uh, you know, coming back uh, with their experience. You know, uh, you know, can we do things a little differently? And, um, you know, I think that, you know, we have some, you know, core principles and, and ideas of uh, how we want to play. And, you know, but uh, when when, uh, you know, new guys come into the program and older guys, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, be a little more versatile and, and, and develop their game, you know, it allows us to, you know, pivot a little bit. And I think that's the the time we're in right now is, uh, you know, trying to see where our strengths are and uh, and developing into how we want to be a, uh, in the springtime. What? I mean, because obviously for the program, it was the first getting to championship weekend. What did you learn about the experience of how you managed the run of the NCAA tournament and, and where you guys got to? You know, I think the consistency, you know, I think just, uh, you know, having a routine. Uh, we ha- we've had a great routine uh, the last couple of years. And, um, you know, whether it's early in game week, at the end, traveling, uh, game day uh, in particular. So uh, I think that process and that routine has uh, helped us uh, grow, but also be consistent. Uh, it's allowed us to, you know, maybe, um, you know, when things aren't, you know, going great or the weather's not, uh, you know, the best, uh, we're able to, you know, stay true to who we are. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've had some, uh, uh, games that, uh, allowed us, to, uh, you know, to get into the postseason and, and play on final four weekend. And if we didn't play well and we didn't have that consistency and that confidence, uh, you know, maybe we wouldn't have that opportunity. And, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, wish we would have played a little better, uh, on that last game of the year. Uh, but that's, uh, I think it was as much as it was, Good for our returning guys getting back into the NCAA tournament and playing well and traveling and understanding the quarterfinal setup. Uh, it still was new to a lot of us, uh, you know, being able to, you know, be in that Memorial Day weekend. So uh, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, uh, you know, baby steps, uh, I guess, as a program. But uh, I think uh, we've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I think that's what, uh, you know, we're going to lean on our returning guys uh, for this year for that experience to come back and uh, and, and be better for it. I, I think you probably can talk to this more than, than most with how many near misses you guys had had in terms of NCAA tournaments and stuff in, in years past. But, like, I, I wonder how much you talk about the margin because the margin between where you guys were last year in getting to championship weekend and just missing the NCAA tournament as you guys had done in the past can be, like, a goal or two throughout the entire season. Like, do you mention that to the guys about, like, in terms of execution and walking into every game knowing like how important it is because like it really can be one or two goals over the course of the right the entire season the difference between getting to where you want to be and being watching at home in may yeah i think you can you know slice that a, a few different ways it, it could be you know one or two goals, uh, one or two saves, one or two ground balls, one or two clears, one or two face-offs. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that's where, you know, I really give a lot of credit to, you know, some of the guys that have, uh, you know, have helped do the heavy lifting uh, over the, you know, 2015, 16, 17, 18 seasons uh, in our program because it didn't happen, you know, last year or two years ago. Uh, and uh, some of those teams uh, in 2016, I-, I thought we were, you know, uh, 11 wins and played in a Big Ten championship you know, we had a uh, you know a lot of opportunity to you know uh, besides the the AQ, 
uh, be a tournament team. And uh, it, it didn't didn't break that, that way. And same with 17-18. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, you feel bad for those guys that, you know, put all that hard work and, uh, and, and really, uh, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting to get our program to where we are right now, not have those experiences experiences so uh but but, but uh you know you, you you don't get games back you don't get practices back and, and that's the you know that's kind of the message i'm trying to share this fall is that it's not automatically going to happen for us you know this spring um you know some of those names that have uh won some big games for us uh have, have graduated from the program so um you know these these lifts these practices these film sessions that we have uh, the understanding and um, you know, for the older guys to be able to mentor the young guys as fast as they can, for the young guys to be able to come up to speed as fast as they can. Uh, right now in November, December, January, those uh, those will be a, you know, make a difference, uh, you know, once the games start and we head through March and April. One of the guys you do have the luxury of have coming back is Ross Scott, and he's coming off a, a great year a year ago. I, I wonder, because for some guys, like, it, it's obvious w- what they need to work on. But when Ross Scott has a year like he did last year, like, sometimes to the naked eye and to the fan, it's not as obvious. W- what are the things that in the conversations you have with him or the coaching staff has with him about things to work on and things he wants to work on in order to try to continue to get better? You know, once again, uh, you know, I know you, uh, you know, knowing about some of our players uh, throughout the years, but, you know, Ross is one of those guys that have, uh, you know, continuously uh, developed his game. And, uh, you know, to see him be the, you know, last guy to leave the field, uh, you know, all last year and then doing extra work with uh, Colin Kirst, you know, that's, I think that's why he's the player that he is. He's, he's a dynamic athlete. He's got some, you know, great God given abilities uh, with his feet and his change of direction. Uh, But, you know, just his work ethic uh, of putting in the time, you know, developing his, his uh, skill set with both hands and his finishing and shooting ability. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, he's someone who's been on the field for us uh, as a freshman because he's, he, he was that talented. Uh, and I think uh, he's had some great mentors with, with Kieran Mullins and Adam Schombedes and, you know, Colin Curse living with him last year and, and uh, always staying after practice to do some extra work. Uh, I think uh, now he's starting to take on that next role in his career uh, as being a captain, being a leader, um, you know, and not just uh, himself, but, you know, kind of passing it on to the, to the new guys and uh, to the returning guys that he's going to be, uh, you know, side to side with right now on game day. So, uh, you know, love going to practice. Practice with him. Uh, he, he's great in the locker room and on the field, and uh, happy for all the success he's he's having. And uh, you know, I think this summer with the world team, um, you know, and and experiencing those games and that atmosphere has also uh, just helped with his experience. And you know, uh, we're we're looking forward to him, uh, you know, getting out there and, and being a leader for us on the offensive end this yeah. spring. Yeah, I had a chance to play with Team Canada uh, this summer, which was uh, really fun to fun to watch him uh, play there. And, uh, you know, it's always so funny, the transition of the, the freshmen and sophomores who are being brought out or helped along by the juniors and seniors, like, hey, you know, we're staying after practice, we're shooting more. And the transition of now that guy is bringing somebody else who's a freshman or sophomore out to the field after practice to keep shooting. Yeah, and like I said, that that didn't happen overnight. You know, we had some talented players over the years. You know, Jules Hennenberg was a a guy who stayed after practice, and Alex Bronzo was a was a pro as far as the the ladders, the footwork, the training room. And I think you know you see you know Ethan Rall and Colin Pless had uh, had seen that, and they're passing it on to the guys in our program now, just like you know AC and Kieran, you know, passing it on to Ross, and now Ross is passing it on. You know, you see the Jack Amones and the Nick Tereskis and and the and the the new freshmen that are you know now seeing 
seeing, you know, that it, it you know, it, it really, uh, uh, you know, it really steamrolls uh, and, and it's great to see. And I think that's a, a big reason for uh, for our development and also our, our team success is uh, how much guys that care about, you know, doing the extra work outside of practice time to develop their game and, and help their friends and roommates and teammates, uh, you know, develop their game as well. So uh, you mentioned Colin Kirst. Obviously, he's no longer in, in goal for you guys. Uh, you've brought in a couple of transfers. Obviously, you've got some options there. What's the goalie battle look like here in the fall? Yeah, you know, certainly, uh, you know, you know, losing uh, Colin uh, as an All-American and a leader, um, you know, but each 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 college program, no matter what sport, you're going to le- lose talented seniors every year, and there's going to be new guys that come in. So I think the goalie room is uh, is uh, very competitive from top to bottom. Um, you know, with uh, uh, with a couple of the uh, grad transfers that have come in, uh, you know, with a freshman with Colin Stoller. So uh, I, I'm I'm really encouraged with the full workouts. The you know you know them uh, understanding uh, and growing up. Uh, with the defense around them, um, you know, developing their skills, understanding some of the terminology and what we're looking to do in, in the clearing game and defensively. So uh, that's that's why it's it's been a it's been a great fall. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't have to be able to you know play a game, you know, in September, or October. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, it's it's been nice seeing the development of our goalies our and our program as a uh, as a whole. So, uh, uh, you know, it starts in the goal and uh, they've been they've been great so far. You mentioned that uh, your fall strategy, a lot of development. You guys didn't have any uh, any fall scrimmages. I wonder what did you learn about this group in particular throughout the the fall, where you guys were really practicing uh, in in terms of your fall ball that you hope to take into twenty twenty three. Yeah, you know what I, I thought. Uh, uh, what I've learned is that uh, you know we have a lot of new faces, and uh, you know so you know it's it's just a matter of uh, you know having them understand and, um, and, you know, whether it's the the new faces or the returning players, you know, stepping up and having new roles. Uh, so uh, uh, that's why it, it's been nice to gradually take our time with some of the conditioning and the stick work and the skill development early on, uh, and then kind of, you know, starting to, you know, layer in some of the things offensively, defensively, riding and clearing and, uh, and some of the, you know, you know, specialty stuff that uh, you know we're just starting to get to now at the end of the fall. So you know we wouldn't be able to play a a game end of September, early October. I think we are now, and I think that's the you know that's the goal. The you know to be able to you know use this as a long preseason. Um, you know because January it's quick. You got really yeah. you have two weeks of practice. You got a couple of scrimmages, and then you know you have a first game on uh, the first weekend in February. So uh, you know I think the fall is a great way for us and. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had some older guys that have led the way and have been there for us. And we have that right now. You know, you mentioned Ross Scott, you know, David Sprock coming back as a fifth year guy and, and Shane Knobloch and Bobby Russo and Ethan Rawl. So uh, there's a there's a lot of older guys that have uh, you know been a big part of our success over the last couple of years. And seeing them mentor and put their arm around the, the new guys is has uh, is, is been helpful for us to, you know, grow throughout the fall and uh, been, been happy with uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you get back in January, it's a sprint to game one. It, it's not a marathon at all. It is like, let's let's go. We got to hit the ground running. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, we, we layer and we're adding some things uh, uh, now in our eight-hour week. 
Uh, maybe we, uh, you know, pick one thing to, you know, have some quality over quantity uh, as, you know, as we practice right now, you know, heading into Thanksgiving and maybe a week after, you know, retaining that and uh, making sure that, uh, you know, the guys, uh, you know, understand and, and have a familiarity. So when we come back in January, you know, it, it's not like we have to reteach it. So that's the the big thing right now in the fall is making sure that, uh, everyone, not just the the starters, but the, the new guys and the guys that are going to have to sprinkle in that they're comfortable in retaining what we need to do and what, what they need to do to have success for us. Oh, uh, Coach, it was awesome to watch the run you guys went on last year. It's so cool to see where your program has gotten to. Can't wait to see you guys back in action here in 2023. We'll catch up closer to the season, but thanks so much for the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. We continue to get ready for 2023. We've got Virginia Cavaliers uh, offensive player. Peyton, I don't, between, with all the offensive pieces you have, I don't know what to, if you're going to be an attackman or midfield. So I'll say <laughs> offensive player to set things up. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's, it's fun. So, Peyton, let's, let's start there. With the amount of pieces you guys have on this offense, what's the feeling on that end of the field coming out of the fall? Um, yeah, I think this year, unlike any other is, you know, anybody can play. Um, we have lots of guys on the team who can play attack, play midfield. Um, really it's your, you know, best six, uh, in that week of practice that are going to play. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be like the best nine, best 10, but, um, you know, the best six are the guys that are going to start the game, uh, whether that's attack midfield, you know, wherever they feel comfortable. Um, just, you know, having the mindset that, you know, it's the best, it's the top guys that are going to play and start the game. So, like, how does that affect you? Like, do you, is that something you look at? And you're like, it, I got to compete every day? Like, how does that affect, like, how you look at practice in, in every game week? A hundred percent. You know, my mindset is, you know, you can't get, can't get outworked, can't, uh, you know, have somebody better than you that week. Um, but you also want to support your teammates. You want them to be successful. You know, you want the young, younger players on the team to develop. Uh, you want the older guys to, you know, really bring that leadership role, be successful. Um, so there's a lot of ways to look at it, but obviously, you know, just having to compete every single day is, you know, it's, it's good. Is there anything like in the past in your lacrosse experience you can relate this to? Because that, like at the college level, I mean, you obviously got to compete every day to, to perform at this level, Division One lacrosse. But it feels like this is ultra competitive to be on the same team with all these guys who all could play minutes probably just about anywhere in the country. Yeah, for sure. Um, thinking back, it would be, you know, probably my first year of junior uh, A lacrosse, um, you know, that rookie season. Um, just being able to, you know, crack the lineup with um, 96s on the team uh, when I'm born in 2000, um, you know, that's that's pretty difficult. Um, so, you know, you had to, you know, outwork guys that are, you know, three, four years older than you um, and some players who are already in college, you know, really successful in college, um, you know, just having to keep that edge 24-7 in order to, you know, make a lineup. So you've obviously had success here early in your Virginia career, but I wonder as you kind of get now into the upper class years, what are the things that you work on off the outside of the normal practice uh, hours where you're looking to maybe take another step? What are those things you, fo you focused on entering 2023? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just, you know, the composure level, um, you know, slowing it down. Um, since freshman year, freshman year, you sort of really want to, you know, get out there and do every single little, little thing, a hundred miles per hour, trying to be successful. 
Um, you know, I think as you get older, you're trying to, you know, take a step back and look uh, at the things that you're not doing well, um, what you should focus on and the things that you are doing well, uh, and how to keep, you know, keep doing them well. Um, versus, you know, that freshman year when you're trying to do everything a million miles per hour. What's, uh, what's it like to play with Connor Schellenberger? Because it seems like he makes a lot of people around him better. What's that experience been like? Yeah, for sure. Shelly's definitely, he's a pretty special player. Um, I wouldn't even say, you know, he makes a lot of people around him better. He makes every single person around him better. Um, you know, he really shows all the young guys what it takes to work hard. You know, he's there every day, you know, before practice shooting, working on, you know, his game. Um, and, you know, as his teammate, that's something you'd love to see, you know, you're going to get his best effort every single day. So uh, you obviously love to have people like him around you. When people ask you what it's like to play for Lars Tiffany, like, what do you tell them? Do you have like a story that sums up what the whole experience there with Virginia lacrosse is like? Um, for me personally, uh, I don't really interact with, you know, coach Tiffany a lot since he's on the defensive end, okay. but, um, you knew, you know, I do think he is, he's a great coach whenever, um, you know, I think the offense is, is clicking and doing really, really, really well. Uh, he's on the defense and, you know, when the defense is shutting us out in practice, um, you know, he's sort of laughing and, and cracking jokes at the offense, just saying like, we can't compete. So it gives us that com competitive edge. And I think he does a really, really good job at that in practice and, you know, letting us compete in all the drills that he schedules, you know, what he sets up. Uh, it's just, you know, it's fun to have that offense defense, you know, clashing. So, yeah, so what's it like between, like, him and, and Sean Kerwin in practice in terms of the offense versus defense? Uh, honestly, in practice, they're really um, – it, it's two sides. They stay away okay. from each other. I All don't right. know if they have uh, an agreement with one another <laughs> not to, uh, you know, get too close, but uh, the offense sort of stays with the offense and the defense stays with the defense once we, you know, break off into those sixes, 5v5, you know, those type of drills, the compete drills. Well, what's – I mean, Sean Kerwin's been doing this for a while now and has had a lot of successful offenses. What's unique about what you guys have been doing at Virginia with him? Yeah, uh, obviously, I think he knows the game pretty well. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, from a player standpoint all the way to a coaching standpoint, um, I think that's one of the best things about him, being able to say, you know, he was a player and was successful in his, you know, college career. And I think he he brings all that together um, in order for us to, you know, try to find the best offense possible. So looking, you come off the, the loss in the quarterfinals to Maryland. Obviously, it's not the way you wanted 22 to end. And now I, I look into this year and I mean, me personally, like from the national media perspective, I look at you guys on paper and I go, this team is loaded. You guys, I mean, I was talking to your coach, Lars Tiffany, and he recognizes how much talent you have. How do you guys manage knowing what the expectations are with what you guys look around and see in the locker room and on the field, but knowing like on paper doesn't win you a title, on paper doesn't win you ACC games, knowing that now we got to figure out how we're going to make sure that we live up to those expectations? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that goes back a lot to last year where, you know, it was sort of the same deal with us on paper. We looked like, you know, we were the best team in the country and clearly like that wasn't the case. Um, and I think just, you know, letting everybody on our team understand that, hey, guys, we're not going to win it based on the players we have. We we have to click. We have to, you know, find something that brings us together where, 
you know, this becomes a lot easier because we're a team, not a bunch of indiv- individuals. I mean, how did, because you really, you haven't been on this team that hasn't been coming off essentially like a championship run. Like how different was this fall and, and off season feel compared to some of the past ones? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, obviously, you know, not going to, you know, Canada, USA scrimmages, um, you know, stuff like that, having, you know, a bunch of, you know, reporters, you know, just talking about being defending national champions. Um, I honestly think it's a, you know, like a breath of fresh air. Uh, not everything's in your face and, you know, the expectations aren't there to, you know, do something that hasn't been done in however long. Um, so just being able to, you know, sort of have, have your back relaxed and, you know, stress a little bit more stress-free, but still knowing the expectations for somewhere like the University of Virginia. Yeah, whether you're winning a championship or not the year before, the expectations there don't change. So uh, that, that certainly stays the same. Pate, we can't wait to see you guys back in the field this spring. Good luck. Uh, enjoy the, the break here before you guys get back on campus. And uh, good luck as you get back on the field ready for spring practice. For sure. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. So a thank you to Brian and Peyton for taking some time to look ahead to the spring season. We're going to think warmer thoughts, despite the fact we've been in a cold freeze in the Northeast and quite frankly, most of the country over the last week or so. But we're going to think warmer, better thoughts as we look ahead to 2023 for both Rutgers and Virginia. Plenty of great interviews coming up here in the next couple of weeks, so make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, watch uh, on Lacrosse TV live on Tuesday nights as well. Whatever way you consume lacrosse now, make sure you stay locked in because we've got Virginia Coast Lar- Coach Lars Tiffany, Penn State Coach Jeff Tambroni, much more coming up here in the coming weeks, so make sure you stay locked in to lacrosse now. But for now, that's all the time we've got. We'll see you right back here next week.